0: Well, hi, awesomes, and welcome to another episode in our Extra Awesome series. From time to time, we take a break from our regularly scheduled programming to talk about interesting people doing awesome things. And today, I'm joined by the incredibly awesome writer and speaker, Crystal Evans Hurst. Crystal co-wrote the New York Times bestseller, Kingdom Woman, with her father, Dr. Tony Evans. And today... She is releasing her brand new book, She's Still There, Rescuing the Girl in You. So, Crystal, welcome to Sorta Awesome. Thanks for having me, Megan. I appreciate it. Yes, so glad that you're here with us today. I cannot wait to dive in and talk about the book and the message and how all of this came together. But before we get to that, let's start with a little bit of just who you are. For anybody who's not familiar with your extensive work, your women's ministry, your writing, your speaking, let's just kind of start at the beginning with a little bit about who you are, where you came from, and kind of how your life has evolved to where it is today.
1: Well, I am... um... A child in a family that many people may be familiar with. My dad is Dr. Tony Evans, and so been raised in that house, been in the same church all my life, still going there. Um, so been sitting under his word all my life. I um, have been in just to jump way fast forward. I have five children from eight to twenty five, been married for sixteen years. So if you do the math on that, you'll see we have a blended family. And um, in doing that, I' really between being raised and then having babies, that's, I've been making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm a homeschool mom and enjoy that. Well, but my dad asked me to participate with him in writing Kingdom Woman. He wanted to have a woman's thoughts and opinions and um, life experience. And so I participated with him in that. And so since that, which was about four years ago, um, I'd always been blogging, you know, just a mommy blog kind of thing. And then I continue doing that and then added speaking to the things that I'm doing. So she's still there is my first book solo. Mm -hmm. And um, while it is not a continuation of kingdom woman, it is a, it is kind of my thoughts after writing that what happens if you tell me what my life should look like, but it doesn't like, Um, what are the practical steps that I take to make what I believe I should, my life should look like. Um, How do I get there from where I'm at? mm, So that's kind of what that is. But but mixed in there. I mean, I still homeschool kids. I have a granddaughter and I still like making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, (laughs) podcasting, vlogging, all that stuff. I like, I like, I like all the stuff I've always done.
0: (laughs) That is so great. And I think that so many of our awesomes who are listening can totally relate to that aspect of your story. As women, we're constantly juggling so many things. We're juggling home life with our passion pursuits and all of those things. So I know that you totally you're right there in it. You're making PBJ sandwiches, but you're writing books and you got this beautiful ministry that is encouraging to so many women. So I'm so excited to to dig into this, but I would love to start with this. In your book, you really open up and, and you get really vulnerable about some of the personal challenges in your life history, including an unmarried pregnancy when you're in college, some of the financial struggles that you have been through. Tell us a little bit more about the choice to really be open and honest about those parts of your life story. I'm sure, you know, sometimes in publishing, especially Christian publishing, there's a tendency to kind of gloss over some of the harder parts of stories, but you really are open and embracing of that. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about that.
1: You know, the good thing, or the bad thing about my story is that, you know, it, it is what it is. And it's not like I'm coming out with some big reveal. I mean, I'm 45 years old, and I have a 25 year old daughter, <laughs> at least 26 this year. But The background for that is basically, you know, I always tell people Adam and Eve had the best parent ever. um, And they still got to choose. Mm -hmm. They still got to make decisions. Now, there are a lot of reasons why I may or may not have made that choice. And I've investigated quite a few of them. I mean, that's kind of what is the pivotal point in the book. It's like what, what causes a person to end up somewhere. And sometimes it's because of choices you make. Sometimes it's because you know, you still make a decision by not making a decision. Sometimes it's because other people make decisions in their lives and those decisions impact you. Right. But the core of me sharing that and and, and people I'm sure want to know more. I'm sure I could have written a whole book just about (laughs) the whole situation. I did devote one chapter to what it was like. Literally I carried the reader with me walking down the sidewalk with the piece stick in my pocket Going to tell the guy that I was pregnant and what he said. I mean, I get into all that, mm-hmm. but only one chapter because the point is not about me. The point is to say, I've been there. Um, I know what it is to feel like your life has totally been derailed. But, you know, here's what I've learned. And I'll be honest and tell you, some of the things I share, I learned because I did them. A lot of them I, I'm i sharing because I learned what I should have done. Uh, um, right. So that's one story. And I share it first because it's the most obvious and it's the most frequently asked question that I get. I kind of made mention of the fact in Kingdom Woman that I was a single parent, but I didn't really get into it. People are always like, so how did that go exactly? <laughs> you know, and, right. Uh, so I was like, okay, I will go ahead and get into it. But, you know, the reality is when you look at your life, and I'm sure you've had this happening to you too, Megan. I mean, you just have a morning where you look in the mirror and you go, what the heck? You know, like, yes. Where is, where, what, what is happening? Why is this my life today? And some days it's momentary and it's just because, you know, a kid took off their diaper in the middle of the night and you had to clean it up. Other times it's (laughs) because, because I mean, come on, you know, that happens other times it's because there has been deep wrenching pain Mm. or very long suffering that you have endured for one reason or another. And it just takes a toll over time. And so I think we have this when we have small children. If you worked and you got a latte and a paycheck every week and now you're changing diapers and there is no title, you know, and nobody, you know, you have that feeling, you have that feeling if you gain weight and you're struggling and going, this is not, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a prisoner in my own body. You have that struggle if you have um, addictions of any kind, you have that struggle if you feel lost in a marriage, you have that struggle if you're single and you're 45 and your clock is winding up and you're going, Seriously? This is not what I was supposed to be doing. Right. Or you can have this feeling because everything that you've ever wanted to happen has happened
0: mm.
1: and it's still not enough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so I think we all have it if we admit it. Um, and my goal is to say, you know, here's one. I talk about the pregnancy story because it's one example of many of times where I can honestly say that when, you know, that had a lot to do with my own choices, but I felt that. I felt, you gotta be kidding me. How did I end up here? This was not the plan. Mm. Um, you know, I was not um, promiscuous. You know, at, at, at the point that I got pregnant, the guy that was the father of that baby is the only person I'd ever slept with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was not the plan. I mean, I'm a straight A student, goody two shoes, leader in my youth group who was sitting there wondering, how did this happen to me? How, how, did, I, how did I end up here? And what do I do? Right. I try really hard not to glorify and, and with Christian people, you know, like to do that. We like to tie pretty bows mm-hmm. with loose ends mm-hmm. and to say, you know, well, this is great. You know, God came through and, you know, he changed her life and it'd be so much cleaner if before that, you know, I wasn't a believer and I could say, and then I met Jesus and cleaned everything up. No, I knew Jesus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yes. So there's a part of that story too that is saying people we can get derailed anytime. Mm. And the other, the other part of that is to say that just because I, you know, made the decision to keep my baby does not mean that that was a nice neat bow exactly either. Right. Because there were a lot of struggles after that. Mm. So I know what it is to be fighting with yourself trying to fix your life and it just not turning all the way over and being frustrated with yourself that you can't snap your fingers and put it together. But uh, you know, that's 25 years ago. So the vantage point that I have now is to say, and it's true because it's been true for me and it's true for so many other people that I know where you are today is not where you have to be forever. Mm. And where you are today does not define who you are today. Wow. So we have to know that, and, and 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 it gives me joy. I'm smiling because it. We have to know that there's hope each and every day, regardless of how lost you feel. Mm-hmm. There's always hope.
0: I love that. I love that, and I'm sure that that you know, going back 25 years to this young woman who's in college who is recognizing oh my life is taking a different course than i thought i'm sure in those moments and in the years that followed that the hope was probably hard to find hard to grasp onto at times um like you said we you know a lot of times as christians we want to just tell the good parts and the highlights of the story but i'm sure there were moments where it felt pretty dark and pretty much like it was, it was hard to find the light in, in the midst of all of that. Mm-hmm.
1: It was, I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, literally, I mean, that's one of the things I say in the book. I recall, and this is after the, 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 that story, but you know, three, four years later, I'm driving down the freeway because I hate my job. I felt lost then too. Mm. And I asked God, can you break my legs? Send me to the hospital just long enough for people to bring me food mm. and for me to get paid without having to work so that I can figure out how to fix
0: this. How do I fix this? (laughs) Yes. So, you know,
1: it's a a real thing. It's a real thing. Um,
0: Yes, I know that is it is really such a real thing. Just you saying that about that moment where you're like, God, break my legs. I can remember when I when my oldest, who's now 12 was a baby. Uh, I was not prepared for the struggles of sleep deprivation. Like I had read all the books and I thought (laughs) she'll just sleep in her crib. Everybody goes to sleep at night and it's fine. I had, I just was completely unprepared for what it was really like to live that out. I can remember I had to go to the post office. I was by myself my husband was home with the baby. I had to go to the post office, and I remember I had a very close call, near miss, almost accident, almost. And I remember as I drove away from that, of course, I had my adrenaline was pumping, and I was, on the one hand, relieved, but there was this one part of my brain that was like, "Oh, if I'd been in an accident, then I could at least be de- in the hospital and get some <laughs> sleep." <laughs> yep. So definitely there are those moments, I mean, I can look back and kind of laugh about it now, but truly I was so miserable and so out of my depth in how different the reality of New Motherhood was from what I thought it was going to be, that I just, I was in a pretty desperate place. And I think, you know, that's obviously part of the mission and the message of this book, Crystal, is that we find ourselves in these situations where our current reality, it does not match what we thought it was going to be like. And, and I think and one of the things I'm so excited about, about your book is that can be such an isolating feeling, you think, everybody else, they're out living their best life. And I'm here, you know, sweeping the floor for the fifth time today and cleaning up, you know, doggy accidents or whatever the thing is. Or, you know, like you said, you're in a a job that you're just like, I can't believe I have not moved forward. I can't believe how miserable this workplace culture is. Whatever the thing is, we look around and we think everybody else is, is doing it. And I I don't know how I got here. And I wonder too, Crystal, you're you're obviously on social media. You have a, a wonderful media platform. Do you think that there's an aspect of the way our culture is now that makes uh, this feeling of disconnect between our present life and our past expectations more intense? Or do you think this is just sort of a universal thing that's been going on for ages, even before social media?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it, the social media intensifies it. Because we're reminded every day about what we don't have and what we're not doing or who's doing it better. But before social media, we have TV that tells us what we should do and how we should do it. And before that, we have magazines. And before that, there are newsletters. I mean, when, you know, with the increase um, and speed of mass communication through a variety of means, that takes us to a different place than, you know, living in a small town a hundred years ago and only really knowing what the people in your town were doing. But then you had the people in your town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, um, the little house on the Prairie. Yes. Did you watch that? I absolutely did. Okay, yep. So, so you remember the, the lady, I can't remember her name, but Lars Hanson, the Hansons, they own the store in town. Uh, huh. And she would always make Laura's mom, Mm Carolyn, feel bad about their clothes and what they could afford. Okay. So even before mass communication on Little House on the Prairie, you have people comparing themselves to what the, you know, do they have store-bought clothes, Mm. you know, or homemade clothes. So I think as long as there's someone for us to see, to compare ourselves to, we're always going to wonder if how we're doing things measures up. And if there's no one else, then we have our own expectations, <laughs> whether or not we're making it or whether we are disappointing the goals that we've set for ourselves. Um, and it doesn't have to be you know, superfluous. I mean, it can be that you really, really wanted a house full of kids, but there are fertility issues mm-hmm. and you're barely eking out one, if that at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's real. So when you look in the mirror and think, by now, I thought I'd have a house full of And we're still trying to have that one. That's the, it's the same thing. So it doesn't have to be right or wrong and it doesn't have to be jealousy or not. It can just be you looking at yourself in the mirror, disappointed that you you haven't done something or experienced something that you'd hoped you would.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. And so what, what is kind of at the, at the heart of your message for women when they, when they are looking in the mirror and they're just like, how did I get here and, and why why is this not working out the way I thought it was going to? What what are, What is your sort of message to them as they're listening today?
1: Sure, sure. I struggled with the main message because I don't think the main message is novel, actually. Mm. <laughs> I think that we need encouragement and I think sometimes we need a rub on the back and sometimes we need a slap on the rear. And I think the book is all of those things. The message is... Um, that you really do have the ability to rescue the girl in you, but it is not a magic pill. Uh,
0: yeah. You
1: do have the ability, though. And so what I give every woman in the book is walking her through um, some practical takeaways that will give her the tools for rescuing herself. So one of the things I I love the story of Jessica McClure back in the 80s it was one of the first big stories CNN ran. And she was way underneath the ground And it took a lot of work and a lot of manpower. And we were all watching, you know, staying up late and getting up early, trying to see if she was still not even did they get her. Was she still alive? Right. You know? Yes. Yes. And the thing is, is that as long as she was still alive, they kept working to rescue her. Mm. Now, sometimes they knew she was still alive because she was singing nursery rhymes. And sometimes they knew that she was still alive because she was crying but they were happy for any noise at all because it was an indication she was a lot. So I have uh, three goals in the book. One is to let the woman know that she is not alone. Mm-hmm. Two is to let her know that she has the power to rescue herself. Um, you know, that, that, yeah, God loves you, but it's like if someone's trying to reach in and pull you out of the, the ditch and you don't reach up to hold their hand, you got to do something. Yes. And then three, what the practical things are that you do one by one, to move forward because sometimes the rescue effort is not simple. It's not quick and it's not easy, but you can do it. And then the last thing that I want to encourage women to do is to help each other because, you know, you and I are sitting here talking by Skype and we get to talk on Voxer and I know a little bit about what goes on in your life and you know a little bit about what goes on in mine, but you've got some real friends, I'll bet in your real life that know where you live.
0: Sure. And if they
1: haven't seen you, they know to come knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we all have to understand we were never designed to do our lives alone Mm. and that it's up to us to participate and cultivate the sister circles that we have, because really that's how you get the encouragement to keep going. And if you fix your yucky spot today, guess what? Maybe Five minutes, five years, 10 years down the line. There's another yucky spot waiting on you. Mm -hmm. And the tools are the same. You check yourself. Am I still breathing? Yep, I'm still breathing. Well, that means you have the ability, the capacity, and the power to do the work of rescuing the girl in you. So it's a a big book of encouragement. It's the conversation I would have with you. We were sitting with coffee. I'd let you cry. I'd rub your back. I'd say, I understand. And then I'd say, okay, how are we going to fix it? How are we going to move forward? And every woman has the power to do that for herself and for her friends.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. And I love that it really is about building up a toolbox because like you said, I mean, this, this concept and this moment and these seasons of life where we feel this disconnect between how we thought things were going to be and how they actually are, it's not a one-time blip on the radar. <laughs> I mean, this is just nope. a part I of wish the- it was.
1: Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> life. Yes. And you know what I'm convinced about? I'm convinced making that people, I, I'm like, where did we get the idea mm. that life was supposed to be simple and easy? I think somewhere... Somebody told us that, or we adopted that belief.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that is really the lie that's screwing us up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that that if somebody has been able to achieve something, or if they seem to be happy, or if they have a great marriage, or if they've got a great career, or if they're, they're a size four, that it's easier for them than it is for us. Now, mm-hmm. you know, in some regards, it, it may be a little bit, but the bottom line is the same. Everybody has to work just like you do. Everybody has to work just like I do. And it's the moment where we start thinking, oh, woe is me. This shouldn't be happening to me. Well, why not you?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, know. stop believing the lie that life should be simple. Now, it can be great, but it involves work. And I think we have to be willing to put in that work. And so toolbox is the perfect word. It's the perfect word
0: really is. It really is. I want to switch gears a little bit because there's another concept that you really cover in the book that is, it sounds so intriguing to me, and I'd love to hear you talk more about that. And that is this concept of drift. So you talk about this idea of drift and how drifting can be pretty destructive in our lives. So I would love to hear you talk a little bit about what that whole concept is. And when you like kind of you said, like you said, you check in with yourself, you realize, okay, I've got some drift happening in my life. What do we do then?
1: You know, the first thing is to realize that if there's a way out or a way that there is a way is, is a way back. Drift happens because you're not paying attention. It's because you're not living aware. So the first antidote to drift is to pay attention. It is to recognize what you've not been doing or been doing that has contributed to where you are now. Uh-huh. The second thing is, is, is to realize that drift didn't happen quickly. And many times making your way back won't happen quickly. But if you can identify what you weren't paying attention to, identify what you weren't doing and start doing it, you fix the very thing that gradually stole you away. And it doesn't have to be bad. I have a friend that moved to California for a great job, great pay, very excited about our opportunity, and she hated it. For the first six to nine months, she hated it and she thought, I'm lonely, I don't like being here, and she felt lost. And so she tied that back of course to the fact that she'd made a decision to take a new job. Mm. Now she could have fixed it by getting a job back in Dallas, is where she's from and and then she said, "You know what? I'm going to stick it out." And she remembered her reasons why. This is a new opportunity. I'm going to give it a shot. And that gave her a new so sometimes you change your decision and sometimes you refocus on the decision that you already made and choose to make the best of it. But The the thing is with drift, it requires you to be aware, to identify the decisions that you made that got you where you are and to decide if you're going to undo those decisions with new decisions or if you choose to focus in on the decisions that you made and make the best of it. The other thing that helps you with drift is realizing that sometimes the reason why you're drifting, just like driving a car, if you um, look too long at a billboard or something not straight in front of you. Your car or your, your the movement forward will be directed by where your gaze is. So the biggest antidote to drift is focus. It's living with focus, living with the end in mind, keeping the main thing the main thing and making sure that the small and large decisions of your life align with that focus. You focus by making decisions. Then you live uh, aware by paying attention and making sure that if, if you start to drift, that there are mechanisms in place to help keep you back on track which is why there's a scale. We have scales because we want to know if we're drifting. Mm-hmm. And that scale is a mechanism to tell us if we're going a little bit to the side. You know, so as Weight Watchers. Um, and then you have to make sure that you exercise discernment. There have to be people, places, and things that help you to live focus. If you want to stop smoking, then you probably shouldn't go outside when everybody takes their smoke break sure. and think that you're going to be strong. Every- I mean, mm-hmm. so you've got to make sure that you're aligning your environment with people, places, and things to help you focus on the direction that you want to go. And then the last thing is, is to realize that none of this is usually easy. It requires discipline. Mm. And so there's no magic pill there. It's just you do what you have to do now so you can do or be who you want to be later. And so those four things I like to call the process of progress, decision, direction, discernment, and discipline that help you to live with focus And living with focus is the antidote to drifting because if you're constantly paying attention to where you're going and what you're doing, then you won't have these small aberrations over time that put you way, 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 way off course. That
0: is so good. I just wanna soak all of that in. It's such an encouragement to me right now in a really specific part of my life where I looked up and realized over time that my eating had really gotten off base from what I know is best for how my body chemistry works. So I do best with starting off the day with a lot of protein. And I know I need to bring in lots of fresh vegetables into my life, which is a struggle. And so for me, it is it's like you said, it's the big choices, but it's also the little choices. So for me, that means I have to be like super intentional on Sunday nights, I sit down with a meal plan. And I do my I I order my groceries online. And I got to make sure I if I get those groceries in the house, then yes, I will go in there and I may not be super excited about it. But I'm going to make sure I'm getting my veggies in at every meal that I'm supposed to. But if I haven't planned, it's just like those simple things of if I haven't sat down and made a plan and gotten that good healthy food into the house, then it's I'm going to just keep on drifting off and my health is going to continue yeah. to get worse and worse. And so I think that's such a great picture of what it means to kind of come back to the thing is the thing that we know we're yeah. supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah. I mean, we drift for good reasons. I mean, when I look in the mirror and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's been seven years and I really haven't done anything that I've wanted to do with my life. The reason may be because I've been changing diapers and loving on my babies. And I don't sure. think that that's a negative drift. But what I do think is that you do have to be intentional about the time you trade because mm. that's the thing. You know, we only get 24 hours a day. So I'm not saying you shouldn't love on your babies and change your diapers and read to them. I love that stuff. I have a 14 year old who still loves me to read to him, and I do. Oh, that's so but I think we just have to be conscious about our choices because the worst thing in the world is to realize you drifted when you didn't want to. Mm. Now, see, we were just at camp uh, a few weeks ago, and my son is the last day camp, and he was on a paddle board, and he didn't want to come in, so he was just sitting there holding the paddle letting the little waves and the little lake take him wherever they wanted to go because he was enjoying the trip. and sometimes you enjoy it you go on vacation you just wake up and say what do I feel like doing today there's nothing wrong with that Uh there's nothing wrong with saying I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna you know be home with my babies or I'm gonna you know not advance on my job because I want to make sure my kids get what they need for me and I'm gonna get off of work when everybody else is working like there's nothing wrong with that as long as you're making the conscious choice to trade the time Mm -hmm. the problem comes when you traded the time and you didn't mean to, and seven years have passed by. Christ. And the other thing, you know, I love um, Jessica Turner's book, The Fringe Hours. Yes. I think that there's so many things that we can do to stop the drift that don't mean that we have to totally flip our focus. Yes. You can, I mean, you're a mom, you're doing your podcast. I blog, I speak. Um, And I mean, one of the things I used to do, I would tell my husband, this is the scrapbooking weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm gone because I need to look at the pictures and be reminded of why the heck I'm doing all this. You know what I mean? And I'd come back with two pages done Uh whole weekend and two (laughs) pages done. But the reality was for me, it was reminding myself I needed that. Mm -hmm. So it, it reminded me that this wasn't a drift, that this was my choice and that this was actually what I wanted to do, but I had to pay attention To remember what the reasons, what my focus was, so it's just being intentional.
0: You just don't want unintentional drifts. That's so true. That's that's a great delineation too. I I really like that. So, Crystal, I know we're just like barely scratching the surface of all the goodness that is in this book, which again comes out today. If you're if you're listening, it's August the eighth. We've got um, her book. Uh, She's still there, Rescuing the Girl Within, coming out today. So, Crystal, tell us where else. I know. I mean, I know we can find it on Amazon. I'm sure at lots of local bookstores we can find the book. Where can we find you if we want to find out more about your writing, your podcast, your speaking? Where can we go to find out more about what you have going on?
1: Sure. I can be found um, online at crystalevanshurst.com. And I'm everywhere, pretty much um, on social media, just at Crystal Hurst. My name is C H R Y S T A L. I'm not on Snapchat. I think I've given up that. I think I've given up the ghost on Snapchat. I, I went and grabbed my name, and then I was like, I can't do it. And then Instagram got Insta stories. I was like, What's the
0: point? I know, What's the right? point? <laughs> yes, yes. Loving the Instagram stories because yeah. I didn't have to learn Snapchat. Totally get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so that's where they can find me.
1: My so. Podcast releases every Monday on iTunes, so there's that too.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much for taking time. I know you are talking to lots of people about the book. And so I just so appreciate you taking the time to come on Sorta of Awesome and fill us in a little bit and get us excited to find out more about what you have in the book. So thank you so much, Chris.
1: I'm so excited to be considered awesome enough to be on the Sorta of Awesome podcast. <laughs> I love what you do. love listening to your show. You're awesome, Megan.
0: Well, thank you for that. And awesomes, thank you so much for listening. And we'll see y'all next time.